today about pleasure and also miserable addictions. Pleasure and miserable addictions. Let's give it an extra boost just to wake up the sleepy crowd today. I tell you what, let's go over to um, our text. That's our anchor text. However, here we go. You should know it by now. Maybe your neighbor can help you. Wait a minute. Sneak peek. Sneak peek. All right, y'all ready? Go. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For God shall bring every work into judgment. Whether it be good or what, wonderful <laughs> class. That was wonderful. You may be seated. Whew. God, I do pray that you will bless the preaching of thy word. You're good. Thank you for a beautiful day, Lord. Thank you for these good folks. All that you brought to listen to this message, Father, may they get something from it, Lord. May they get strength. May you aim them, stir them, stir us all, Lord, to break evil addictions and seek in you our pleasure, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you a, um, an important text. The Bible says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, so this must be important. This is the conclusion. If any other thing mattered than this right here that has to do with your practical relationship other than the death of burial of the Lord Jesus Christ, it would be summed up right here. But this is the conclusion, which tells me there is nothing more important for your happiness than what he says right here. Fear God, keep his commandments. There it is. Cain tried to do it the opposite way, and his countenance fell. Okay? Now let me give you a text here at the end of the book. Book of Revelation, chapter 4. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, now I want you to notice, you say, I don't care about a crown. Hey, your crown's going to be used to bring testimony and worship to the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? Saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Boy, that is very, very important. This song that I hope you will be singing one day soon. I hope you will be saying this. I hope I will be. What it's saying real quickly is everything was created for thy pleasure. Now you think about that for a minute. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the teenager. It's not about what you think how you feel. It's not about your pleasure. It's not about whether you are pleased. 
It's about whether God is pleased. And until you get that one thing straight, you will always be running off the road, crooked and miserable. You've got to get that straight. In fact, this is Solomon's point. See, don't think I'm just running off into a rabbit trail. He says in Ecclesiastes 2, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. That means laughter. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. That's what he told himself. And behold, this is also vanity. Solomon, wisest king, wisest man, what did he find out? He found out that living for pleasure does not bring pleasure. That doing everything you can to try to seek pleasure does not lead to pleasure. I hope you got that straight. I hope you understand. It's vanity. So if you are living for your pleasure, if you are living for your own happiness, if that is your goal, if that's how you live your life, you are a miserable person. You are not a happy person. See, you are in God's aquarium. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's reality. There's not an eternal rock that one day just woke up. God has always been here, always was. There was never a time when there was not God. And God, for His pleasure, put you in His aquarium to bring glory to Him and pleasure to Him. If you're not bringing pleasure to God, you are not fulfilling your purpose in living. And all there's all kinds of, I want to find my purpose in life. Your purpose is to give God pleasure. So start right there and see what happens. Amen? Start right there. Are you giving God pleasure? Let that be your daily goal through Jesus Christ in us to bring God pleasure. See, God owns you. He created you. Even the angels that never sin cover their face. See, the seraphim. But not only did God create you, but He redeemed you. You are bought with a price, says the Bible. You are bought with a price. So I want to expand upon this foundation with some other scriptures. But first I want to call your attention to our upside-down world of sin and sinners. We talked about this uh, last week. But I want you to see something very interesting. Look at Isaiah chapter 5. It says, Woe unto them that call evil good, we saw that, and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We don't always talk. I've hinted upon this, but we don't always major upon this last part of the verse. See, we know they're going to switch good and evil, but what about sweet and bitter. Let me just start off right here in the physical. Do you know, and I want you to think about it, real food and drink is despised today. I don't mean just because it takes time to grow and it might be a little more expensive, you know, and that type of thing. You ought to see your medical bill that you're going to have here if you don't get a hang of this thing. But I want to tell you something. What is going on with this? The taste of real food and drink is despised today. People, by and large, have lost the taste for healthy, real food. Perfect example would be to take a modern computer, 
American kid and sit down and say, here's some toast with some raw honey, which in any other generation would have gobbled it up like candy, he'll sit there and look at it. Many of them will taste it and say, I don't like it, mommy. You don't like honey? The Bible says, what is sweeter than honey? A kid doesn't like honey? What happened to America? Here's some raw milk. Ooh, I don't want raw milk. What can be sweeter than farm-raised milk with all those enzymes and all the things that God gave it to give it life? No, people have lost their taste. They want conventional, chemical sensation. All that bitter stuff that tricks your brain. See? So in a very physical way, we are putting... Sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. Your dead food that doesn't taste good, you're addicted to that because of all of the taste enhancements and the chemicals and all of that, you know. It's just really sad. Not only have you lost your taste for food, but American Christians today have lost their understanding of fashion. Paul could say in the first century, Judging yourselves, is it comely? And I'm going to paraphrase right here. Judging yourselves, is it beautiful for a woman to pray with her hair cut off or short? Now that was in a day when Paul said we've all had fathers that chastised us. As bad as it was then, Paul could say to that generation of Christians, many of them Gentiles in Corinth, <laughs> Judging yourselves. Is it not glorious that a woman with long hair is beautiful? Is it not obvious? And isn't it hideous to see a man with long hair? See, we've lost. You say, well, I don't think that's ugly today. See, you've been screwed up. You've been messed up in your realm of what's pleasing and what's not in regard to fashion. I want you to notice something here coming out of that. One scientific journal tells us that the English word hedonic comes originally from the ancient Greek for pleasure. In turn derived from the word for sweet. I find that an interesting connection that sweet and pleasure have a relationship etymologically. Now, think about that for a second. People are now perverted in regard to what is sweet. People are now perverted in regard to what is pleasurable. People are now perverted in regard to what they find pleasing. What I mean is they are finding things pleasing that aren't pleasing. They are finding things pleasurable which really are not pleasurable. They are seeking satisfaction in something they think is satisfying, but it is not. Sweet is put for bitter. Bitter is put for sweet. 
Sweet things are called bitter today in our culture. And bitter things are seen as sweet. So physically, morally, this is the case. Now, with this in your mind, I want you to notice Proverbs 9 again. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing. She's just making a lot of noise. Noise, just buzzing around. Noise here, noise there. Loud yelling, noise here, noise there. She's just clamorous. She needs to sit down and be quiet and think and try to get some sobriety through the Holy Ghost. But as for him that wanteth understanding, that means lacketh understanding, she saith to him, Stolen waters are not pleasurable, but sweet. Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. What word do you see there? Pleasing. So she is saying, that which God says is not sweet, that which God says is bitter, that which God says is sinful and evil and brings destruction, she lies and says, no, it's sweet. But he knoweth not. Because he's foolish that the dead are there and that our guests are in the depths of hell. The world's going to offer you, young person, sweet things. It's going to say, come look, come explore, come, oh, your church says don't do this, your dad says don't do this, but come follow me, I'm going to show you some sweet things. It's a lie. It's a lie from hell because it'll send you there. It is a wicked, wicked lie. So the world is calling things that are very bitter, very destructive, very evil, calling them sweet and pleasurable. So much of the world is people pretending something is pleasurable that's not. Hey, you listen to me. So much of the world is, well, everybody said this is supposed to be fun. So I guess it is. Now the Bible says there are pleasures of sin for a season. But when you really look at things the way God sees it, to the best of your ability, and He gives you some ability to do so, when you look at things the way God sees them, when you look at the end thereof, when you look at the destruction that you're reaping, when you look at your lack of conscience and the guilt and the misery, when you look at all of these things, you realize this is not enjoyable at all. This is hell. I want to get out of here. See, so many people trash that which is valuable and precious. And you know what they say? They say, what did I do this for? For this? This is what I sold my purity? This is what I sold out my testimony for? This is what, for this is what I get? Hey, the devil's a liar. The devil's lying. God wants you to see things right side up. He wants you to see things His way. He wants you to see the sweet things that he calls sweet and the bitter things that he calls bitter. He wants you to see the end of sinful and independent pleasures that are not of him. So you see what they ultimately are and what they bring you. C.S. Lewis has a good quote about this. He says, we are half-hearted creatures, 
fooling about with drink and fornication and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. It's like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. In other words, you ought to tell the devil you're not able to satisfy pleasure for me. You're, you're, you're not able. Well, I'll give you this if you'll do this. No, no, you're not able to give me pleasure. Nothing you can give me will satisfy, you see. So, so get behind me, Satan, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, we'll take what God offers us because God will give us true happiness. God gives us the real pleasure, the real joy. We're not going to seek pleasure outside of God. That is so insane. It's madness when you think about it. The Lord Jesus has something to say to Laodicea, and I believe you're in this period of time right now. And he says, because thou sayest, I am rich. They love to sing to themselves and sing about themselves, even if they give God a little bit of credit for it. And increase with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I point out that Laodicea is coming to church this morning naked. And they don't know it. They don't know it. I tell you, when Peter saw the Lord Jesus Christ, he dived into the water and put his coat on. It says the angels are clothed. The Lord Jesus is clothed. Laodicea is spiritually, in practical righteousness, naked. Laodicea is physically naked, but let's move up here for a second here. Laodicea is also blind to the fact that they're miserable. Wouldn't it be horrible to be deluded? Man, you're miserable. You're sad. I don't think I am. I think I'm happy. No, I can see in your eyes. I can see in that fake smile. I can see in your depression. I can see in your anger. I can see you're miserable. You're miserable, but it's not so much that you don't know it in any way. You haven't admitted it, and that's the point. See, there's a conscience even in regard to nakedness, but Laodicea won't admit that they're naked, see. They haven't come to themselves and realized, my conscience is telling me this isn't right, see. Well, in the same way, Laodicea is not happy. Laodicea is miserable. And why is Laodicea miserable? Because they're seeking pleasure independent of God. Not His way. Because every movie, every television show, everything in the American lifestyle has told them, do your own thing and you'll be happy. <laughs> no matter how many times you try it. Solomon tried it, it didn't work. And you're going to go try it? I don't want you to go have to burn out the first 30 years of your life. The Bible says give the first fruits unto God. That's the whole point in chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes is remember thy creator in thy youth. Don't burn out these years. Listen to Solomon. Listen to God. Listen to my testimony. Listen to other people's testimony. We were stupid. By 23, I was saved. I praised God for it, and I was right, and I realized this is stupid. This is from hell, and there's only one way to seek pleasure, and that's with God. I'm sorry I burned out 10 years of my life. See, don't you burn out a single year. I'm trying to do you a favor. I'm trying to help you. Get this thing straight right here at the beginning so you can look back and say, well, 
I had a happy life. I had happiness. How did you do it? I concentrated on what made God happy, what grieves God. I let that be the things I thought about. I got up in the day and said, what's going to make God happy? What, what kind of decision do you need to make? What makes God happy? What's going to make Him sad? You know, if you got a godly father, use him as a picture. What's going to make your dad sad if he's godly? See, what's going to grieve him? The Bible said when Esau went after the Canaanite women, it grieved his parents. Why don't you quit thinking about you and start thinking about God and the responsibility you have toward godly parents and your church and these children and others around you? Why don't you quit thinking about you and think about God and God says, if you don't love others as themselves, if you don't love your neighbor who you can see, how can you love me who you don't see? I'm paraphrasing, but the point is, God wants you to love others. He wants you to love Him first and foremost, and that's the only way you can ever love others. Obey His commandments. He tells you that. Quit pretending to be happy. The prodigal finally came to himself. So many out here don't have sobriety. They don't have clarity. They live for pleasure, but they're not pleased. They're miserable. Why? Because the Bible says the eye is not satisfied with seeing. Oh, I'm not supposed to look at this, but I'm going to go look at it. Aha, see, see, see. Hey, you're the only fool in here. You understand that? God's not the fool. I'm not the fool. You're the fool. If you're going to go try to get fulfillment in something like that, you're an idiot. You're a fool. Your eye's not going to be satisfied with seeing. You're going to get addicted. You understand that? Ecclesiastes 5, He that loveth silver should not be satisfied with silver. Well, I'm not going to chase porn. I want to make money. I'm going to go after money. Well, you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied. You can't live for money. Praise God for money. Money is a defense. Money allows us to do a lot of things. Praise God. Go make some of it. Uh, uh, and give and, and use it for the glory of God. But don't you live for money. Don't you lust after money. You'll never be satisfied. That's not where you find happiness, making money. All that stuff's going to burn, buddy. Ezekiel 16, Thou hast moreover multiplied thy fornication in the land of Canaan unto Chaldea, and yet thou was not satisfied herewith. Oh, no. You say, forget the internet. I'm going to go to the bar scene, you know. You'll never be happy. You'll never be happy. Cheap relationships, no depth, no meaning. You will not be satisfied therein. And you better learn it. You better learn it. How do you find happiness? It's with God. It's with God. The Bible says they have chosen. They have chosen. Let me show you something here in Jeremiah 2. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter. See that it's bitter. It's not just evil. See that it's bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. He wants you to look at your life and wake up and say, Can't you see that your life is bitter right now? Can't you see that you don't have a sweet life? Can't you see 
that when you forsake God, it's evil and it's bitter. There's nothing sweet about it. This means quit calling your sin sweet. Quit saying, oh, I'm good. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. No, the chastisement you just received from your sin, that's not some sweet thing. Oh, it's cool. No, that wasn't cool. That's miserable, man. Get rid of this life. Jeremiah 4 says, Thy way and thy doings have procured these things unto thee. This is thy wickedness because it's bitter. It's not bad luck. It's bitterness in your life because you're not putting God first. You're not thinking about His pleasure. They're going to put sweet for bitter in the last days, folks. Things that are not sweet at all, they're bitter. They're going to say, it's good. It's cool. I'm doing okay. Oh, yeah. No, you're not. Because if you're, a, if you're backslidden, you're not doing okay. Quit lying to everybody. This is not our first rodeo. We have seen the likes of you over and over. Young man, if you're sitting in this church right now, and you're full of sin, and you despise me and despise what I'm saying from the Word of God right now, you're not the first fool that's ever sat here in a pew. You understand that? Why don't you wake up and realize that? Praise God for the fools that call later and say, you know what, I'm not a fool anymore, but it took a long time for me to wake up Praise God for them. But you are not guaranteed another day of life. Don't you presume upon God. Let's look at some of these uh, brain researchers just for a moment. I want you to notice something. It says dopamine systems clearly do play an important role in re reward. But that role may not be as hedonic as once thought. Today, relatively few neuroscientists who study dopamine and reward appear to assert in print that dopamine causes pleasure. Even original proponents are no longer so enthusiastic. Evidence began to emerge that the loss of dopamine doesn't necessarily reduce pleasure after all. Dopamine stimulations do not reliably cause pleasure. Just hold this in your mind for a second because I'm going to spring something on you, okay? You've heard that there's this dopamine and, and it gets released and it brings pleasure and what happens is uh, you want more and more of it. And that is true in the sense that it's a part of the brain that they believe is connected with reward and pain and that type of thing. But listen to what they're saying. Dopamine stimulations do not reliably cause pleasure. The intensity of dopamine surges even when evoked by addictive drugs, amphetamines, correlates much better with wanting ratings. I'll explain this. Examples of wanting without liking. Those intense motivations range from gambling to shopping to pornography to internet to hobbies to addictive drugs or taking excessive medication in addictive fashion. Yet these cases typically do not report intense pleasure. What they're finding out is the dopamine, the dopamine is related to addiction. But they're finding out a lot of times that people aren't very happy about their addiction. 
A lot of times they admit I'm very miserable. A lot of times, all the time really, uh, in these cases after a while, the addiction doesn't bring pleasure. I got to gamble. It'll bring me pleasure. I got to do it. Hey, a lot of times people said, I hate myself. I hate myself. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing it? The cigarette, the porn, whatever it is, people will kill themselves. They can't stop. They think they can't stop. They can't cease from it, but they hate it. So they're finding out, wait a second, we're finding out it's related to reward, but not necessarily pleasure. See, because these addictions are not pleasing. I want you to understand that when you get addicted to things that are not of the Lord, it cannot lead to pleasure very long. Okay? You're going to require more of it. You're going to hate yourself. And you're going to hate what you've become is what I mean. Wow. That sounds like Second Peter 2. While they promise them liberty... Hey, follow me. Come do what we're doing. We have liberty. So much fun. They themselves are the servants of corruption. Really? Then why are you addicted to alcohol? If you're having so much fun, why are you a slave? Why are you addicted to your cigarettes? Why are you addicted to porn? Why are you addicted to all these other things? See, you're a slave to sin. You're a slave to sin. Even the so-called pleasures of sin for a season. No. We're a long-run Baptist church. You look at it in the big picture, amen? Without vision, people perish. You look at it from God's standpoint. Here's the truth of the matter. Proverbs 13, brother. Good understanding giveth favor with God and with man. And this is what you seek. This is what you want. When I say with man, I mean with the godly people in your life. Godly parents, godly Christians, elders, pastors. But the ultimate is God. Cain was not accepted with God. He did not have that favor. And it brought depression. His countenance fell. God said, go do what I said and you'll be accepted. Because knowing you're accepted with God, first eternally through the Lord Jesus Christ positionally, but you better walk the walk you better walk the walk of righteousness and labor to be accepted. Paul says we labor that we might be accepted of Him. Labor. And that confidence will bring joy as long as you're not high-minded. And there's a basis for it. But the way of transgressors is hard. They don't have favor with God. They don't have favor with good Christians and good parents. No, the way of transgressors is hard. It's a hard way to live knowing you're displeasing God. It's a hard way to live knowing you're not accepted with God. It's a hard way living knowing that you're grieving your godly father. It's a hard way to live knowing you've grieved your pastor, that you've grieved your godly relatives, that you've grieved the godly Christians in this room. It is a hard way to live. You're not lying to anybody. If you, you're miserable, you are not happy, and you will not be happy if you get out here and start living like that. Boy, how, how'd you like to grab, wouldn't you like to open up, tear an ear off of a young person and insert this in their brain? If you could just make it stick, you know? You sit in here with your mouth open and your eyes rolling back and you don't hear a word I'm saying, son, and you got to experience this, you're gonna experience it and it's gonna be sad. If you could just open it up and let it sink down into your ears. You, you got to do it. 
Isn't that the thing? Nobody, I, I can yell, I can scream, I can jump, I can come over there and shake your pew, but you've got to drink. You've got to drink. That's the free will that God gives you. You've got to drink. There's nothing we can do about it. Nothing we can do about it. So I say, why don't you get addicted to godly things in the right way? Get your pleasure from pleasing God. Make it a habit that's hard to break. You remember this verse in 1 Corinthians? I beseech you, brethren. You know the house of Stephanus. Praise God, his whole house. That is the first fruits of Achaia. And that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. What about a household? Isn't that beautiful? You got husband, wife, children. And what did they do? They've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Man, that's wonderful, isn't it? They find their happiness in an addiction. Oh, but it's an addiction to say, what can I do? What can I do to help people be discipled in the Lord? What can I do? Do they have any physical needs that I can help the saints with? I want to minister to the saints. And Paul says, submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. Isn't that beautiful? If you say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, go to somebody that you can tell has addicted themselves and say, hey, what can I do to help you? Wouldn't that be a blessing? Not only an encouragement to them, but it'll be a training course for you. Say, look, I notice that you never put yourself first. You're always serving others. You're always just helping and trying to find. What can I do to help you? What can I do for you? Can I go to the store for you? Can I get you anything? Is there something I need to pray for? Young people, don't just sit here and think there's nothing you can do in a church. Find out who's doing something and ask them if you can help them. Wow, you're going to have joy. You're going to have an addiction. It might even be a dopamine addiction. I don't know. You're going to have a good time, but it's something godly. It's something godly. Woo, praise God for that. Let me ask you a question. You think this will bring depression? I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, but wait a minute. This just came out the other day. Digital addictions are drowning us in dopamine. Rising rates of depression and anxiety in wealthy countries like the U.S. may be a result of our brains getting hooked on the neurotransmitter associated with pleasure. A associated. A patient of mine, a bright and thoughtful young man in his early 20s, came to see me for debilitating anxiety and depression. He had dropped out of college and was living with his parents. He was vaguely contemplating suicide. He was also playing video games most of every day and late into every night. You know how common that is? You know how common it is to see teens and early 20s Basically saying, I'm depressed, I'm miserable. Well, we know you're miserable, Mr. Laodicea. We know you are. Because God didn't say that you're going to get a lasting, full, satisfying pleasure from sitting around playing cotton-picking video games. You understand that? Hanging out on your cell phone all day, checking something to see if somebody liked you or not. Putting fake pictures on the internet and see if somebody liked it. Oh, I got a surge of dopamine out of that one. Somebody liked it. Oh, look what somebody ate for breakfast. Oh, look at them. Oh, wow. She has somebody she's seeing now, and I don't. Oh, man, my life is miserable. 
Yeah, you live like that. Go play an instrument. Go help somebody. Go do something. Go read a book. Accomplish something. Work. Get something done. What pleases God? 20 years ago, the first thing I would have done for a patient like this was prescribe an antidepressant. I know. And 20 years ago, I was telling you that was stupid from hell. Though nobody listens to me because nobody hears me. And if they did hear me, they probably wouldn't listen. Uh, at least not a psychologist. Uh, but now, today, I recommend something altogether different. How about a dopamine fast? I suggest that he abstain from all screens, including video games. In other words, get your life back in order. Oh, but I got withdrawal. I got withdrawal. I know. But you've got depression and misery. You need to turn the stuff off and get your life back in balance. Find out what living is all about. Their problem isn't trauma or social dislocation or poverty. It's too much dopamine, a chemical produced in the brain that functions as a neurotransmitter associated with feelings of pleasure and reward. Pleasure and pain are processed in the same parts of the brain and that the brain tries hard to keep them in balance. So what happens is sometimes the brain's going to say, hey, you keep surging the dopamine and you haven't done anything for it and you keep surging it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some feel bad. How about that? We're going to release some feel bad and uh, some depression and maybe you'll get balanced in your life. You know, that's what they're saying happens. I tell you, I've preached about grape leaves, how they're finding out researchers that people that do meth and are addicted, they, they hate the meth, they don't want to do it, but they feel they can't stop. And the grape leaves go in and try to balance and regulate all of that and give them a helping hand. Isn't that something? You would expect that, wouldn't you? Because grapes are a picture of the blood of Jesus, the grape juice. And so many researchers have found out there is something about grape juice. When the elderly drink it, when people drink it, they get happier. They get happier. It's something about the dopamine regulation and the releasing. Now, you're not supposed to go crazy on it, but you're supposed to have some grape juice. You're supposed to have the grape leaves as your medicine, and today we probably all need some medicine, I would think, with this world we're living in. But uh, one thing you don't need that you're getting so much of is staring at a cell phone all day and staring at a computer unless it's your job. And there's wise people that know how to stand up, get exercise. They have to work with computers. They know how to go outside. They know how to do other things. They regulate that. You have to regulate these things in your life. They're working. They're not sitting around with porn and all kinds of junk like that. Folks, if you're addicted to these screens and these video games, you're one sad, miserable person. You are. You're a sad, miserable person. As soon as the dopamine is released, the brain adapts to it by reducing or down-regulating the number of dopamine receptors that are stimulated. This causes the brain to level out by tipping to the side of pain, which is why pleasure is usually followed by a feeling of hangover or come down. There's a natural tendency to counteract it by going back to the source of pleasure for another dose. Take a look at your physical diet, for example. Some of us, if we have empty carbs, you know, I, I could eat cassava chips or something. Uh, 
And they're enough like a potato chip that it just sends me straight skyrocket up and I'm going to come down and I'll be a monster. I'll be a monster. And you need to understand some of what's going on in your life when you're saying, why am I getting these uncontrollable angers? What, what's happening is, I tell you what, you're coming down off of a high you should have never been on to begin with, see. So think about these things in regard to diet. Think about these things in regard to your screen addictions. Start learning to use vinegar and protein with your carb. Quit eating the empty carbs and all of those things, you know. Speaking of which, how about BBC just the other day? What happens to your brain when you give up sugar? Dopamine is a neurotransmitter, meaning it's a chemical that passes messages between nerves in the brain. When we're exposed to a rewarding stimulus, the brain responds by releasing dopamine, which is why it's often called the reward chemical. Dopamine can drive us to seek food such as junk food. Experiments in both animals and people have shown how profoundly sugar activates these reward pathways. It surpasses even cocaine in terms of the eternal reward, internal reward it triggers. Remember years ago, many, many moons ago, I preached uh, drunk on sugar. A lot of people wrote and thanked me for it. Some people were like, that's insane. He's saying sugar's like a drug, you know. Well, hey, now it's pretty much common knowledge. And so many people are getting off the stinking drug and praise God for them. And uh, they're having to admit it. They said all around the world, people are getting rid of this stuff. And, and, and we're seeing success in their health and in their happiness levels and stuff. And God forbid, you, you'll save your teeth, save yourself from diabetes and cancer, maybe. Notice this. These effects surpassing even cocaine on the dopamine are independent of the sweet taste. That means there's some type of drug addiction going on there, see. In rats, there's strong evidence to suggest that sucrose consumption can actually change the structures in the brain that dopamine activates as well as altering emotional processing and modifying behavior in both animals and humans. They're saying, uh, not only are we seeing addiction like heroin to this sugar, but we're seeing alterations in the brain. We're, we're, we're seeing brain problems and trauma. Modifications. Research in animals has demonstrated that the effects of sugar addiction, withdrawal, and relapse are similar to those of drugs. So what, what, what's the answer to this? If you try to get off of your cane sugar and your corn syrup, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard, hard time. This is why you don't immediately say, mmm, give me some honey on my toast. No, no, there's something else going on here. You want a quick fix. The other day we took, um, we bought some magnesium and a supplement, a healthy supplement. And I didn't read the ingredient that said cane sugar. And it's one of those chewable ones. And we put it in our mouth and, and, and immediately, my, my children, me, immediately it went boom. I'm saying it didn't take five minutes. It didn't take 30 minutes. I meant immediately I felt that go to my bloodstream and talked to my son. He said, yeah, I feel it in my head. I feel it right now. It wasn't just a normal, hey, I ate some coconut sugar with some dessert. No, this was straight. Uh, it's a drug is what it is. It's a wicked drug. You need to have honey and coconut sugar in moderation. Maple syrup in moderation, says the Bible. But this other mess, get it out of your life. Get it out of your life. God help us. 
Now, let me tell you something here. That's all a picture. Because the Bible is saying, look not upon the wine. Look not upon the things that are going to bring destructive addiction, see. In regard to screens, social media. I won't go through it right now. I don't have the time, but social media tech whistleblowers and experts. They're writing books about it. There's documentaries out there you could watch, but you probably don't want to. Just like you probably don't say, hey, I want to go watch something against junk food that's going to open my eye. I mean, when you're addicted to something, your flesh says, no, I'll do that later. You know, I don't want to get rid of my addiction right now. But yet it's like a monkey on your back that's tormenting you. There's a part of you that does want to be free from it. See. Social media tech whistleblowers and experts write about how they have studied dopamine in the brain and they have designed social media in regard to that latest brain research. In other words, what they're saying is, what do you think? Of course we designed it to make you addicted to it. Because the longer you stay there with it, the greater you become as a something we can sell. See, your likes, your dislikes, the longer you're there, the more money they make. The more control they have over you. So you're messing around with things that have been programmed to bring addiction to your life. Break it. Paul says, I will not be bound by anything. Nothing will have power over me. No food, no nothing, no tech. No, I, I, you, you, need to, you need to say, I'm not addicted to anything, but what's good. But what's good. And that ought to be the case. And prove it. Prove it. I'm going to close, wind down today. I got nine pages and we're on six. So that'll give you some, a little bit of dopamine there for your brain. Now listen. Living for independent pleasure. Let me give you some verses to show what the Bible says about living for independent pleasure. 1 Timothy 5, She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Wow. God just comes out and nails it there, doesn't he? You are dead in one sense to God and the things of God. You want to live in pleasure? You're dead. That doesn't sound like you make the kingdom, does it? Proverbs 21, he that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. I think you'll be poor spiritually. You'll be poor financially probably before long. So don't live in pleasure. Don't love pleasure. You say, wait a second. Are you saying I can't love my brothers and sisters and interacting with them? The Bible's talking about loving even good things in an inordinate way. Not being moderate in it not being balanced and prioritized in your life. And what about bad pleasures? Loving them at all is just going to be bad. It's going to be bad for you. You're going to be a poor man. The Bible said in the last days, perilous times shall come because there'll be traitors. We could preach there a while, but I'm not going to do it. There might be traitors in this church right now. I hope there's not. Traitors to your parents, traitors to your pastor. You slander your pastor behind my back? Do you slander other good people of this church behind their back? Do you talk? I, I tell you, if somebody starts talking about a godly brother in this church and starts rebelling and scorning and, and slandering, you ought to say, you know what? I'm not hanging around with you anymore. You're wicked. That's what you ought to do. 
But what happens when you join? See, I'm going to start preaching there, but I need to move on. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now he nails it, doesn't he? You love these things better than you love God. There's some things in your life you love way better than going to church. You love way better than the things of God. And if God says he didn't like it, you said, who cares? I love this, which means you made that thing a God. Do you see? Because whoever you serve is your God. Whoever you put first is your God, in one sense. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving different divers, lust and pleasures living in malice and envy. Some people just want to be hateful, hateful and hating one another. They're always got a beef with somebody, always trying to be, uh, well, this person did this to me, they did this to me, you know. That, that was your old man. That's not the new man in Christ. Try to be a peacemaker. You can't live in peace with everybody, that's for sure. But you ought to try. We ought to try. There's Matthew 18. Some things just forget and move on. Other things, you got to go talk to your brother or sister. But it should always be our goal is peace, amen? Our goal is peace, unless you're just a manifest wolf, and then may the Lord reward you according to your works, and maybe you'll get saved one day, or maybe you'll get right with the Lord. I hope that the wolves do. But notice it says serving, serving. Are you serving lust and pleasure? Are you a slave to it, serving it? Isaiah says, therefore hear now this, that thou that art given to pleasures, that dwellest carelessly, are you given to these things? Especially these wicked things. God forbid. I hope they're not in your life at all. What about Moses in Hebrews? Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. There is some degree of pleasure you get from maybe a fleeting moment. And then you got hell to pay. Then you got depression and misery. And not only that, you now become a slave. It's like, wake up now, I'm back, and you are now my slave. There's been people that snorted something in their nose, and they said, hmm, I didn't really like that. They went away a week. The next Friday night came, and it said, you're depressed. You feel horrible. They're like, why do I feel this? I've never felt this before. Why do I have this urge? And the old fellow that gave it to you sitting there smiling, shooting pool, and he says, well, there it is. I knew you'd be back. See, that's how Satan works. That's how Satan works. You, you just obey Satan one time, and you think you walk away. He comes knocking and says, you want more, right? You want more. This time you've got to pay. It's not for free. Now you'll pay. Praise God, Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God, if need be, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Young man, you got to choose. you got to make a choice. You're going to live for pleasure? Oh, but the world, I'll come back one day. This world is enticing me. You're not going to be happy. And you've got judgment to come, because now God will be angry at you. Let me show you what happens to people that do that. Luke 8. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard, go forth. See, they grew up in church. They've heard the preaching. They go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. 
and bring no fruit to perfection. You know what that means? It means they go into outer darkness. It means they're left behind at the rapture. It means they miss the millennial kingdom. It means they have no joy in their life and God just might kill them right here and now instead of waiting. Are you being choked right now? What good could you do at 16, at 17, at 18, at 19, at 20, at 21, 22? What value could you be to the work of God and this war we're fighting and our vision that we have here? What could you do to help? Instead, there's people walking around like, I just want to do my own thing, man, you know. I don't want to lift a finger to do anything. Just let me seek myself. Proverbs 18, a fool has no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Don't you want to have pleasure in understanding? Don't you want godly people and God himself to say, well done, you're a good young man. I don't have any delight in that. I got to go find myself. What an idiot. What a fool. You know what I'm finding out more? God has just given me a revelation that so many people aren't just merely wicked. They're just stupid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have to say it. The Bible says it. Just fools. You're just a fool. Some people have just been raised a fool. I don't know how you got raised a fool. I, I don't understand it. You think I'm a bad kid? I, I just think you're a fool. I'm not speaking personally to a single person here, okay? I'm just letting you know, anybody listening to this message, that we have a generation of fools today, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Have no sense. God help us. The Bible says how you get that way. Job says, for he hath said, in the book of Job, it profit the man nothing that he should delight himself with God. Is that what you say? no profit. There's no profit. I don't get anything from it. Why should I delight myself in God? I'll seek myself. Proverbs 2, who's, who rejoiced to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked? Anybody know a rebel? Any of you girls, y'all know rebels? Any of you fellas know rebels? Any of you young people, y'all know a rebel? Somebody in rebellion against their daddy? Somebody in rebellion against godliness? somebody in rebellion against this preacher, but most of all, in rebellion against God. You know any rebels? Scorners is what the Bible calls them. Froward is what you call them. They're froward. You try to move them this way, and they'll jerk their head back. You're froward. The Bible says that there are people that delight in frowardness of the wicked. Oh, tell me again, that's funny. Ha, 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 ha. Man, that, that, that's funny. Tell me something. This is rebellion. This is, boy, this is pleasure to me. Hearing about all this rebellion. Boy, you're bold. I can't believe the things you say. Well, yeah, I agree with you. Wouldn't it be much better to delight in God and not in the forwardness of the wicked? Why don't you feel sorry for the wicked? and pray that they would get right with God. Proverbs 1, how long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning. Look at this word, delight. It means they're having pleasure in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. 
You can get addicted to it. You can get addicted to that pleasure. Some rebels, they seek other rebels, and they want to call them on the phone. They want to Facebook them. They want to message, message them. They want to go hang out with them because they delight. How come you don't go hang out with godly people? How come you don't call godly people? See, we have this idea you always got to be around somebody your age and all of that. You know what? Some of that is just way overblown, okay? How about getting around some godly people and enjoying godliness? I don't want to do that. I like the rebels. Here you are. You're addicted to it. You're addicted to it. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. They'll come to church, say, how you doing? Good to see you. But they really have pleasure in lies and scorning. The Bible says in Jeremiah, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Well, what about the Bible? What about God's commandments? What about the prophecies? I don't want to hear anything about that, man. I want to be cool. See, the problem is, is so many fools are followers instead of leaders. Boy, why don't you be a leader? Why don't you stand up and be a leader in life and quit being such a follower of every bad kid that comes along, see? God says, he that killeth an ox is as if, he, as if he slew a man. He that sacrifices a lamb is as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offers an oblation is as if he offered swine's blood. He that burns incense is as if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abominations. Pretty soon their abominations become your abominations. What God's saying is, I don't accept their worship anymore. I don't accept their worship. I don't accept their praises. I don't accept their sacrifices. It's all an abomination to me because they delight in their abominations. Some people get pleasure from their abominations. Some people get pleasure from rebelling and scorning and all their little secret communication. But some people, before long, they just end up right here. You're committing an abomination, and that's where your addiction lies. Oh, Lord, help us. Help this generation, Lord. Let's switch gears. Page 7. Living for God's pleasure. Bless ye the Lord, all His hosts, ye ministers of His that do His pleasure. Wow. That's what we need. Hebrews 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that means others knew about it, that he pleased God. Oh, that you would have a testimony. Everybody knows you please God. As a young man, even, even a child is known by his doings. Psalms 119, I will delight myself in thy statutes. Thy testimonies are of my delight. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. I will delight myself, that's pleasure, in thy commandments, which I have loved. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. Let thy tender mercies come unto me, that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. 
See, some of you might have an affliction coming here soon, and you're going to get burned out and angry and bitter, and you might never walk with God again. See, you might already be angry with God. Boy, you better hope the law of God's your delight because it'll help you in that day. It'll help you when you go through afflictions to say, where shall I go? I love God's law. I love Jesus. And I'm just going to stick by the stuff. I'm going to stick with God because I love God's word. And what else can I do? That's what you need to say, folks. That's what you need to say. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, and it's going to take hold on you soon. Yet thy commandments are my delights. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Do you have pleasure in God's law, or is it a reproach to you? Proverbs 2, when wisdom enters thy heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. Don't you love God's truth? See, if you don't love God's truth, you're going to hate being in here. You're going to hate being in here. You're going to hate being around believers that are walking in God's truth. Psalms 1, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law do thee meditate day and night. See, to delight in God includes delighting in his word. If you don't like God's commandments, if you don't like learning about his will, how can you say your goal is to please God? If you're created for his pleasure, then shouldn't you read the Bible to find out what God likes and what he doesn't like? Why do you mess with things? Why do you flirt around with it? Wow, there might be enough evidence that God hates this. Why do I even want to see how close I can get to the line? See, What about this? If you quit seeking your earthly, worldly, independent pleasure, and you seek God's pleasure, God's going to reward you with greater, lasting pleasures that your eye hath not seen and above anything you could ever desire. It says in Psalm 16, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Surrender to God. You said, I haven't found much of that. I wonder if you're surrendered. I wonder if you really ever surrendered like the Lord Jesus, who was perfect and says, Not my will but thine be done. Have you ever surrendered to God? Why don't you try that and prove God and see if you don't end up a happier person? See? You try that. Psalms 36. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. Wow. You say, well, I remember one time in my life. Well, get back to your first love, amen? Get back to that time. Get back to what you had and go beyond it. Job 36, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. That's not absolute in every situation, but it's a general truth. You're going to serve your years in pleasures. Praise God. Psalms 37, delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. I think he changes your desires. But I think there are some things that you pray for and desire that he will give you. If it's in his will. Delight yourself in the Lord. This is what he's waiting on. Sometimes we, we, we get over here and say, Lord, I prayed. Where's my desire? 
Well, well, you haven't obeyed the condition here. God, I want my desire. Have you delighted yourself in the Lord? That means have you got your pleasure in the Lord and His Word? Or is it a grief to you? The Bible says in Malachi, oh, what weariness it is. Okay, God, I'll do this for you. God says, offer that to your governor and see if he will be, uh, if he'll like it. God wants a cheerful giver, somebody that delights themselves in pleasing him. See, try that and see how many more of your prayers get answered. Even you as a parent, when you have a spoiled child that doesn't say thank you, and you could tell they're just take everything for granted, does that make you want to give them more? Or does it make you want to withhold to teach them a lesson? See. Psalms 112, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. I want to be blessed. Well, try delighting greatly in his commandments. Let me briefly speak of some other keys to holy pleasure. We've given you the ultimate key. (laughs) Live for God's pleasure. And that means that you search the Bible and delight in the Bible. And you delight in growing. And what can I do better for God? Is there something I can change in my life that will make God happier? Maybe it's a little thing. Search. Delight in growing for God. But let me give you some other keys. Here's one. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Do you want pleasure? Get united with your holy brethren and sisters. Be united with them. Sometimes you just got to say, you know what? I'll let you go. Okay, I was in line, but, but you, you go ahead and go. Okay, you, you have it. It's just money. If that's the way you see it, just have it. I, I'm not saying you do that in every situation. There's a Matthew 18. There's a time to say, now brother, let's work this out. And if we have to get another witness, let's, let's work it out. But try to have unity because it's going to give us pleasure and we're going to have joy. We'll have a happy church. We'll have a testimony and there'll be joy here. See, try to get along, but you can't live like you used to live. You can't walk in the old man because that's not going to work. See, malice and hatred and nobody's going to boss me. Nobody's going to do this. No, nobody's going to get one up on me. Now let's try to live in unity and there's going to be a joy that we're going to have because I tell you, people that live opposite of that, they're always striving, always angry, always... They don't have joy, folks. They don't have joy. Truly, the light is sweet. There's our word. And a pleasant thing. There's pleasure. It is for thy eyes to behold the sun. Why don't you get off the internet? Why don't you get off your phone and go outside and do something? You know, why don't you work outside a little bit? Why don't you go for a walk with your wife? Why why don't you exercise outside, do some yard work? At least open the window and get rid of the LED or whatever it is. Let's get some natural light, okay? Boy, you're going to find a lot of happiness by going outside and letting the light come in. See? Some of you though, I'm just not happy. Well, it looks like a bar in here. No wonder. Man, do you ever get sunshine? Do you ever go outside? 
Huh? What'd you say? Not only are you not going to be happy, you're going to be unhealthy. Psalms 81, take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. You know, praise music, godly praise music, godly praise music. You know, it's pleasant. That means it makes you happy. You got any praise music in your life? Find you some good godly praise music. And, and it, I tell you, if it's not making you happy in the right way, a godly way, a sober way, you better find some better music. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. I don't want you to sit around and say, Jesus is my boyfriend a hundred times. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you praising God for the things He's done for you. Get focused on Him. Wow, that'll bring some joy in your life, won't it? Come to church and don't just go through the motions, but really think about God by faith and say, God in a special way loves the public singing. He loves it when the church comes together. Boy, you'll be shouting before you know it. Shout, sing, praise God. It'll make you happy. And if everybody else is going to have a time, you just uh, if they're just going to ignore it, you be like blind Bartimaeus, amen? You say, I don't care if I'm singing too loud. I'm going to sing louder. Praise is comely. I'm trying to tell you something, folks. Oh, let me give you this one. Proverbs 24. Be not thou envious against evil men. How can you be happy in the Lord if you're always watching evil people? Well, look, they're having a better time than I am. I'm looking on Facebook. Well, look at these backsliders. They're having a better time than me. You're going to be miserable. Go be an Enoch. Go be an Abel. Go be somebody godly. Neither desire to be with them. Do you desire to be with them? Wish I was over there with them. He that saith unto the wicked, Thou art righteous, him shall the people curse. Not only the good people in your life right now, but I believe in the millennium. Maybe they'll just sit back and read a history of everything. Somebody in the millennium. I believe the nations will curse them. But to them that rebuke him shall be delight, and a good blessing shall come upon them. Oh, let's get something straight, bro. If you are, if you try to say brother and boy at the same time, it doesn't work. But listen to me. If you are around scorners and around people that are walking in wickedness and you are trying to be like them, you want to be with them, and you are not rebuking them, then you do not have a happy life right now. You are a miserable person. And you will not get a good blessing upon you. You will get a curse. Try this one time. Or two. Or three. Say, so you know what? Instead of trying to be like these people and envy them, how about I send them a message and say, what you're doing isn't right in the Lord. Wow, I feel better. I feel better now. I don't mean be mean, but in love. Say, I love this person. I don't want them to perish. I don't want them to have destruction. I'm going to go rebuke them. You shouldn't be doing that. I'm not going to hang around with you anymore because what you're doing is wrong. 
Wow, it's like angels come and minister to you. It's like all of a sudden you hear this music in the heart and God says, now, don't become a Pharisee and proud of yourself, but you ought to be happy because you did what was right. See, some of you are missing joy because you're up here and you're not down here. I hope somebody's listening because that was good. It didn't come from me. It came from the Bible. Proverbs 29. This is something good too. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. There's some people missing some joy right now because they're not correcting their child. They're not believing God, see. They're not believing God. They think, well, I don't want to push him away. I, I, I'm afraid that I'll push the fragile snowflake away. I'm afraid. No, you need to in love say, son, I love you. I'll always love you no matter what you do. But son, what you're doing is foolish. And I want you to live in such a way that you please God and, and, and that you bring me honor and, and, and you have a good testimony. And uh, I, I, wanna, you, I delight in you, but I want to have delight from what you're doing. And I'm going to correct you right now. And there's going to be some happy parents. There's some people in Laodicea that are not happy right now because they have not done this. And for you children, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. You say, I'm miserable. I say, why are you miserable? Well, my father's always correcting me. He hates me. Wait a minute. Do you know if you were living bad, your dad would correct you, but if you continue to just say, I don't care about you, and you were old enough, and you just went your own way, I don't think he'll keep correcting you. See, but if he delights in you, if you're bringing forth fruit, he's going to keep working on you. <laughs> That's Bible. Let me show you how much Bible it is. It says in John that the branches that bring forth fruit, he purges, that they bring forth more fruit. He didn't do that with the other branches. He left them alone until it came time to cut them down and burn them. But the ones that brought forth fruit, he said, oh, you got my attention. I delight in you. Who I love, I correct. And now I want you to bring forth a lot of fruit. I got hope for you. I know it can seem sometimes like it's just pick, 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 pick. But when you delight in somebody, when they give you pleasure, we ought to be encouraging we ought, we ought to remember the Lord in the book of Revelation began with encouragements, but He also gave the neverthelesses. Proverbs 12 says, A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. If you're not a happy person, watch your tongue. See what's coming out of it. And the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. Work. Work for a living and watch your mouth. The Bible said that's a big key to being happy. That's a big key to being happy. There might be some people listening to this message that are really, really addicted to some really wicked things. And you've been that person that looked and got ensnared. You say, preacher, I'm so ashamed of it, I don't even want to ask anybody for help. <coughs> what do I do? 
All I can tell you, my brother or sister, is the Bible says, look not at the wine. The Bible says, come not nigh the strange woman's house. So you've got to break this thing off right here at the beginning and quit making provision for it. You're going to have to change cell phones. You're going to have to try going without a computer. You're going to have to get some type of accountability software and get some brother or sister to help you. The main thing you need to do is get out here and start smashing some stuff. But as I close, let me put it as clear as I can. Lot wanted to go to a little city because he was addicted to cities. But when he looked up and saw the fire coming, he got up to the mountains. Don't make God do what he has to do to break that habit. Because God knows what button to push. And you know it, and he knows it. And he will push it. And he'll do it for you because he loves you. Don't make God do that. Fear God right now. Don't make the fire fall, and then you have to get running away from your sin. Just believe me right now. It's about to fall. God's not pleased. Do not believe the lie that God says, well, this isn't all that bad. I've got too much stuff to do. Just go ahead. No, no. God cares about it. He's angry about it right now. And he is about to let fire fall. Run. The Bible says flee fornication. Flee these unclean things. Make not provision for the flesh. And you do it quickly. Now. Dear Lord, I do pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that everyone in this church will learn to suffer against sin, Lord. To break these wicked habits, whatever they may be. To make not provision for the flesh in a world that's just laughing and making provision for everything sick under the sun. We do pray, Father, that Holy Ghost power would come upon this church, Father. Would come upon everyone who hears this message, Lord. Let them hate sin. Bring a fear upon them that they tremble, Lord, of your judgment. Forgive us where we have not feared enough, Lord, because you says to hear the whole conclusion of the whole matter, to fear you and keep your commandments, God. Now bless this church. Bring a revival of joy, true joy in you, Father, by seeking your pleasure and getting away from everything in our life that causes you grief. In the name of the Lord Jesus, give us the strength in you. Let's believe it. Amen.